This is the Baymo Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, I'm with Elle Grover Fricks to chat about her spiritual practices. That's right. Cool I'm... and casual. Yeah, you know, just just laid back. Um, I'm really excited to get to hear everybody else's episodes. Um, so I have no idea what other people have been saying. Uh, and so hopefully we don't massively contradict each other, or maybe we will, and we could have, like, you know, a fight. <laughs> a physical. <laughs> we'll have to do a bracket. Yeah. We'll have to do a bracket for everybody's spiritual practices. Who's the holiest? Rank and vote now. Well, I, yeah, I, I wasn't thinking of it like that. I was thinking more, which is the best, best practice? But if you want to make it an interpersonal conflict, sure, we can do that too. Why not? You know? Raise, raise the temperature in here. <laughs> okay. Uh, not actually. I love learning from everybody else. Um, but I did hear something over this summer uh, that stuck with me. And it was somebody's quote, which was unattributed. So I'm so sorry. Uh, and they said, resonance is not the same thing as obedience. Um, and I really loved that quote because um, I think so often we get into the consumeristic space in our faith where we're just like listening to cool people we respect or reading good books or whatever. And we come away and we're like, oh, man, yeah, that really resonated with me. That's awesome. And then like nothing changes in the way we live our lives, the way we parent our kids, um, you know, the way we show up to our workplace, whatever it is. Um and so talking about spiritual disciplines, it's like what we consume, what we read and listen to, it's all so important. That's the nutrients for your soul, right? Set your mind on things above, et cetera. But ultimately, like, I don't care if we have the exact correct insight on some cultural thing or like pick your favorite atonement theory. I don't really, you know, even care if we think that Congress is full of lizard people or whatever. I care about what we do about our ideas, right? About the opinions, where we're staking out. Um, none of it matters if we don't incarnate any of it, if we don't um, walk any of it out. Uh, and that's all through Tanakh, right? It's a go and walk. Walk, 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 walk. Waka, waka. And so I think this little mini series is really special because we are sharing different parts of our walks and uh, inviting people to borrow from um, the banquet that we're setting out, you know, um, and learning all from each other. So I think it's uh, excellent. That's a nice, maybe unintentional callback to our episode with Andrew DeCourt, who points out Jesus closes the Sermon on the Mount with whoever puts these words of or whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Right. And in our culture, post-enlightenment, everything, we're like, doesn't matter. Just me being right is, is the only thing. Um, and that's really the worst possible spot, right? <laughs> if we use all of this in order to like feel like we're better than other Christians and arm up our attitude of superiority, that actively keeps us from walking out kingdom, right? We just feel comfortable thinking that we're more morally pure than other people. And that keeps us complacent. Um, we want to like apply Shafela theology to um, the church landscape, right? We're kind of turning into Essenes if we all just like sit in our houses, listening to our favorite podcasts, reading our favorite books with our favorite TikTok or influencer or whoever. Um, we're losing our vote at the table about what we think our Christianity should actually look like and how it should actually be walked out if we're not doing any walking. We're just sitting back. 
So I'm psyched about the series. Very good. Excellent. Okay. Um, second thing that I think is important about spiritual disciplines, this, I am going to eventually get to my own stuff, but this is like soapbox o'clock for me because... Box no. on, L. <laughs> Box on. I mean, we did talk about physical fights earlier. No, but um, usually, right, we're walking through a text and we're unpacking it and trying to figure out what's going on. But this is just a topic. So, um, you know, skip ahead past the semi rants but um session seven's supposed to be different that's right and what it is is more opinions <laughs> with less bible just what everybody wants um but uh one thing that i talk to folks about um relatively frequently um either over email or in interpersonal relationships is there's lots of folks usually younger folks who say like i know all this rad babe ma stuff and it's totally changed everything for me and we're like, yes, that's so awesome. We love that for you. We're so excited and encouraged to hear that. Um, and then also sometimes there's a follow up of, but like I went to church and like launched into a bunch of it at like Bible study and it didn't go over really well. And I'm really confused um, and don't know why that's happening or what I'm supposed to do with that. Um and sometimes for some of those people, and this isn't going to be everybody, but some of those people feel stuck or frustrated that they're not like able to um, share all the stuff that they're excited about. They're not in leadership. They don't necessarily have platform that other people do. Um, and they want to be creative um, and share. And so they feel stuck. So first thing. Um, is you can be creative at any point in time. You don't need anyone to ask you in order to make something. You're capable right now of creating whatever you want to create. You can make a children's curriculum for a Sunday school, even if you're not the director of that ministry at the moment. You can read the Talmud and take notes. You can create a spreadsheet of first mentions. You can even go write a book, even if you don't have a publisher. You can design a discipleship program for the church. Um, you're in charge of your own creativity, um, and it's just about waiting for opportunities, right, to be asked into the elder seats. And there's nothing keeping you from doing that work now, even if it's not going to be brought out into the spotlight. Um, and that's good. And that's OK. You're in charge. We are all in charge. I'm in charge of stewarding myself in the meantime. And we want to work on our character via our spiritual disciplines and our creativity. So we'll be ready for those opportunities. Um, First Thessalonians is very explicit, right? It says, this is God's will for you, your sanctification, right? So we bear responsibility for our relationship with God going as uh, Josh and I are want to do, going back to the story of Cain and Havel to Cain and Abel, like, we talk about that story, and there's no demand from God for sacrifices. It's just something that Cain and Havel have decided that they want to do as far as we know. Maybe behind the scenes, God said something, but it's not recorded for us. But uh, he meets them where they're at. And normally we use that phrase to be like, God is full of grace, um, which is totally true. God's posture is benevolent, right? But in that story, God meeting Cain and Havel where they're at meant he took their determination that they wanted to give sacrifices seriously. And then when Cain didn't take his own responsibility that he had chosen to shoulder seriously, God took that seriously, right? He wasn't like, oh, it's all gravy because I didn't tell you to do sacrifices anyway. So like, what else, man? I'll take your rotten fruit. Mm. Um, he was like, no, what's going on? You were the one who said that you wanted to do this. So can we do better? Um, so I went to 
be part of this milieu, this um, atmosphere that we're creating this month of recordings that, uh, you know, our disciplines matter and they're all in our control, right? Your sleep, your attention, your creativity, that is all part of your own stewardship. And it's very easy to offload it and say, oh, our culture and our work and our days, and that's all totally true, does get in the way. But we can still take ownership of saying, God meeting me where I'm at means that if I want to give this a try, God takes that seriously. Okay. Well, this is supposed to be just like a light chat, not a convicting like. <laughs> Well, you you have to start casual so that people feel comfortable. You yeah. Know? Well, you got you me. Elf. Show you up got with me. the baseball bat, you know. <laughs> okay. Third thing. Um, before I jump into what I actually do, I guess three out of four. Um, part of our spiritual disciplines, and I've heard through the grapevine that maybe Reed um, is talking about this. So apologies if I'm stepping into Reed's um, boundary lines here. But part of spiritual disciplines or spiritual formation, in my opinion, since we're just airing opinions here, has just as much to do with what we uh, don't eat as we do, right? Um so like if you eat a whole bunch of vegetables at lunch, but then all you eat is gumdrops for every other meal, um, you're still going to have some problems, right? Um, so I think when we think about spiritual disciplines, we can kind of be focused on like the side salad that we eat at one part of the day and be like, yeah, that's good. And that's totally true. It is good. But we also have to be conscious of all the other nutrients we're putting in our soul, right? Um, in the Psalms, uh, I think it's 121. Mm, it's in the Psalm of Ascents, but it says, my eyes have not been lifted up too high, Right. That's so many of us were like, yes, I'm talking to God. Um, but, you know, there's there's a lot of other things going on um, that we have worked into our habits, worked into our routines um, that are not net positive for our souls. Um, and I think it's worth taking a second to acknowledge that we all know 2023, who knows what year this is being listened to by somebody. But um, in 2017, studies show that as few as three minutes in the morning of scrolling through the news increases your likelihood by 25% of a bad mood all the way up to eight hours later. Eight hours later, three minutes in the morning, you're still more likely to not be in a good spot. Um, and that percentage of likelihood gets much higher the closer to the time that you actually read the news was. Um, I've heard some people be like, but how do you know if like, you know, something devastating has happened? Um, okay, if that's where you're at, you know, try to do a 30 second scroll, right? get down under thir three minutes. I think the rabbis say like you're trying to quit drinking, um, you know, have or smoking, I think it is like just lower the number of cigarettes, which is um, different from our usual approach to thing. But find something that works trying to weed out a particular habit that we already know um, isn't good for us. Social media, of course, being the other huge one that everybody knows about. We all um, have love-hate relationships with it. We all know that it's bad for us. But um, like the putting that into action doesn't always happen. Um, I basically quit creating on social media in 2018. Um, most of the time the apps are deleted from my phone um, unless I've like just had a baby and I'm on maternity leave. And um, But 
I don't like for myself, right? Because I can just share about myself how much my ego pays attention to likes, dislikes, et cetera, all the back and forth drama, et cetera. I know that's not good for me. So I kind of don't want to like put cocaine on the table and be like, it's okay. Like, (laughs) I'll be fine. Like everybody's doing it. You know, I know that that's bad for me. So I don't want to. And not everybody has that privilege. Like, uh, you know, a lot of authors are told by their publishers that they need to be on social media. So um, grace there. But a lot of us don't have jobs that require us to be on social media. Um, The other thing is I heard somebody a couple of years ago um, talk about when social media first showed up on the horizon, he noticed that instead of creating, instead of making things, um, everybody was on social media, like showing proof that they were making things or like documenting the work they were doing instead of actually doing the work, which I was a huge culprit of like, here I am doing my devotionals with a little inspirational caption. So aesthetic. (laughs) (laughs) Here I am in the park working on this thing. Look at me. I'm so aspirational. Right. But like, why? Why? That's taking away from actual time of doing the actual thing. So I'm pretty passionate about that, Um, especially like post kids. My time, everybody else's time is too valuable to be sucked into a whirlpool of dopamine addiction um, when I could be hanging out with my kids or doing other things. Right. Um, And that's not even talking about ethics. Like there's been some musky and exodus is happening but like the other apps are not great i don't know if you know this (laughs) i mean i do know that you know this but like the head of the other apps was brought before congress to talk about you know genocide uh so it's not like you know we're getting into moral equivocations when we do that so that's the really the last soapbox we made it brent yeah and it's weird like I think of how different people engage social media in different ways. Mm -hmm. And like, sometimes you'll see, like I was at my in-laws house. I think this was over Christmas maybe. Uh, But my father-in-law was watching this guy building a house in the mountains of Switzerland single-handedly. And he would just set up a camera on a tripod and you'd watch him do this thing. And then he'd go do something else. And like, I mean, he spent months and months and months on this. And he's documenting it and it seems like this, I don't know, but it was just this long, slow process, this like really calming and relaxing thing. It's like, well, why, how can that be like that? But then so much of the rest of it is trash and it's just like being able to understand our personal instincts and our personal desire for, you know, the numbers and whatever else. And yeah, it's really hard for most people to engage in, in a way that's healthy. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that like all breaks are bad or all calm is bad, but sometimes like when I do have, um, apps that I'm not creating on, but that I'm scrolling on, on occasion, I'll notice myself watching something like that, you know, like somebody decorating cookies. There's so many, you know, kinds of media like that. And it's like, what is this activating in my brain that makes it satisfying, (laughs) right? This is my brain saying, this person is accomplishing something cool. And it feels good to my brain to watch somebody else complete like a cool creative task with their hands. Why am I watching somebody else do that and receiving that satisfaction without actually doing anything, right? I'm just turning into a zombie going into the real metaverse while I'm sitting there, right? I'm not like present in my reality. When, if I want to do something with my hands and watch a project come together, I could do that in my kitchen right now. 
You know, mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. build my own cabin in Switzerland. No, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like being intentional, being thoughtful about why do I like this kind of content? How is it making me feel? Is there something that's more um, in the psych world that I come from? Is there something more adaptive that we could do instead, um, healthier, right, that I could do instead, more productive, more in touch with my own reality and my own home and my own family and my own workplace, et cetera? Yeah, my friend Alec the other day um, posted a picture of a brisket that he had smoked. Nice. And he said it was his first time. I was like, dude, that looks so good. Yeah. And he's like, well, I've watched so many people make their 1000th brisket. Right. And so I was able to take some shortcuts, which is great. But if Alec had never made his own brisket. Right. Like what a waste of time. Right. But he's actually taking it and turning it into something else. So gotta, gotta do something. If you're, if you're going to engage all this stuff, like do something with it. Absolutely. That's what, uh, that's the vibe. That's the thing we're trying to communicate here. Okay. Okay. That's most of the soapbox, you know, maybe something will unexpectedly pop out. I apologize if so. Um, but so my method, my way of thinking about my own spiritual disciplines, um, is I'm aiming for life filled longevity, um, for me, um, I'm not like trying to emulate what anybody else is doing at this particular point in time. I don't think that that would be wrong if I did, but I like to have a rich banquet of options. I'm not built like some of us, uh, looking at you, Marty, who can do the same thing <laughs> for like decades. Um, I'm an eight with the seven wing. So I like, what are all the fun, different stuff? What can I try? Oh, this lights me up. Oh, this is uh, engaging to me. And sometimes it's that. And sometimes um, it doesn't work for the season I'm in, right? Like if you're really into fasting, but then you're pregnant, (laughs) that's not going to work out very well. (laughs) Um, Right. You'll get in trouble um, for good reason. So sometimes something doesn't feel life giving for a while. And for me, it's just like, oh, I'll switch it up. Um, Sometimes it doesn't work for a season. So I skip it for a season. What I'm not saying is like skip the Bible for a season. Um, What I do mean is if you keep trying to memorize vast sections of scripture and you keep like not doing well and feeling bad and quitting and then guiltily restarting, finding a different way of getting the text in you might be a good solution. Mm. Um, so this is just me right now, maybe for like the past two or three years, this has been my pattern, um, that I'm about to talk about. And all of these things are designed for me, um, to get me out of my head and into my heart. And that's not going to be everybody's posture and everybody's like proclivity, um, that they tend to lean toward head, but Hey, you're here on the Bama podcast. There's a pretty good chance that that is your proclivity. It's me. Right. So especially because I work in ministry and also this is my job, you know, it's really easy for me to accidentally gear shift into thinking about others, um, into a creative zone rather than a receiving posture. Um, and I need nutrients for myself to do my job. Um, and I need to stop accidentally making like spreadsheets and projects. So all of these are geared that way for folks who aren't that way. Um, you know, going over to the other side is good, but, um, I just want, uh, I think it's healthy to be aware of what's easy for you and what's not easy for you and why that might be. And then 
push push the boundaries a little bit of like, oh, am I staying away from this because I'm nervous about X, Y, Z? Hmm, is that rational or not? Hmm, am I missing out because I'm worried irrationally about something, etc. Okay, so the thing that I've been doing the longest, probably since like age 12, um, is prayer responsive reading. Um, so for me, what that looks like is reading a text, pick a book, doesn't matter the book. I mean, in the Bible, <laughs> right? Book you know, of the Bible, yes. Yeah. Pull out the Quran. Why not? No. Um, read what it says, um, write it out physically with a pen and paper, um, something that stands out to me and then write my prayer in response to what that text is saying. So this is not like, oh, here are my observations. Here's my questions. Here's my exegesis. This is reading like there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. And then like prayerfully asking help for me to like not condemn myself or others, right? That would be uh, a response. So the science says um, that writing um, there is a better word for it scientifically, but writing things by hand encodes things in our brain way better than typing it does, like because it's slower and because it requires more complex hand movements and everything. And because um, I think there's a visual aspect to it as well. Um, it sticks in your head better. So I'm always trying to get more text in me, right? So writing it out rather than typing helps me go slower, which helps me be more focused. Um, when I'm typing, I can, I'm a really fast typist as many people in this generation and era are. And so I can pretty much type at the flow of my thoughts. So it doesn't slow me down enough not to get like distracted. Um, but yeah, I do the Psalms over and over and over. I probably do them every single year. Um, read and pray through all the Psalms. I love Isaiah and Jeremiah. They're my like second go-tos. And then I kick myself over to the epistles a lot um, because I know that it's not always where I've been camping out recently. And there's such good stuff in there. You can also do narrative portions. It's trickier, right? Because <laughs> there might not be something that like tugs at your heart, which is my point that I'm trying to do um, when you're reading stuff. But obviously, they're amazing narratives. So that's in there, too. Um, but the point is, keep reading until you find a spot that grabs you. Um, it can be so much more comfortable not to let anything get to our hearts, um, or at least it can be for me, right? Like the mode can be, what's the culture? Where's the remedge? What's the midrash? Mm -hmm. All day long. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's good. We have succeeded. If people have like those kinds of questions, that's awesome. Um, but I think sometimes God is trying to reach us in really specific ways about like our marriages. Um about what to do about that one coworker, or the fact that, you know, we haven't forgiven so-and-so or our emotional well-being. And instead we're stomping around like, well, in the midrash, the rabbis say, it's like, okay, dial it back, uh, take a break, read something that stands out to you and uh, rings in your soul, right? And write that down and receive it as for as it's for you. Um, and sometimes, you know, we can be worried about taking things out of context and everything. It'll be okay. Like, unless you start thinking that like the apocalypse is coming or something, you've dialed the wrong number. Stop, stop taking things out of context then. But most of the time, that's not the case. Try to receive it for you without being like, this is actually a prophecy about Josiah, um, which I mean, it is. You're right. But anyway, 
Does that all make sense? Yes, definitely. Cool, cool, cool. So you'd say the Psalms are your maybe, I don't know what you said it's your go-to. Yeah. But I'm thinking like, what is, maybe this is the same, but what is the thing that you, it doesn't matter where you are, like you find something almost immediately. You said read until you find something that strikes you like, what is the book that is just able to get you no matter where you are? Probably the Psalms, um, which is probably why I use them, but that's not always the case. Um, And especially, you know, there's like long stretches of imprecatory Psalms in there. So don't get discouraged if you have to read for a long time until you find something that like strikes you. I think that's a great practice and a good sign. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, sometimes, not always, but sometimes, you know, I'll read three or four and I'll be like, that's just not where I'm at today. And then there'll be like one little phrase like, oh man write that one down Mm -hmm. and work, work with it from there. Um, and then as you keep going, right. Cause I don't just do that once. Usually there's like an arc that lands you in a good place in the Psalms, which I like in the prophets. It takes a really long time to get there. Right. It might be like 20 chapters of you have not repented. (laughs) And so (laughs) the reason the Psalms can be more helpful is that they're like, I haven't repented. Everything's bad. And yet I know, the Lord, my God is there. Right. Um, and so that kind of package is nice for a daily practice. Okay. Second thing you ready. I'm ready. All right. Shocking groundbreaking. Um, I have a book of Puritan prayers that I also pray responsibly, um, alongside, um, in the margins. So my ancestors are from, they landed in, they're not from, they landed at Salem, Massachusetts, um, did a whole lot of stuff. Um, I think the Puritans get a really bad rap in culture, also Christianity, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes not, right? But they are really utopian go-getters, and I respect that. Um, (laughs) I love reading their sermons and commentaries. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but you can actually learn from people you don't 100% disagree with. You don't immediately die. I would hope 350 episodes into Bama, you probably have a pretty good grasp of that but you know you You never know so just putting that out there again the puritans say a lot of theological statements that i don't jive with you know sometimes it's like wow i feel like you should go to therapy my guy but they're so earnest they love god so much they want to live worthy of the calling to which they're called i love it it helps me feel um connected with you know my ancestral story also and my more recent story because that was the milieu i was raised with okay third thing i do Um, My memorization right now, um, sacrilege. I work through commands and promises. So there's like two parts to this spiritual discipline because I go through the text first and then like lift them all out, out of context, totally scandalous, cancel me. I'm probably not a Christian. Um, But I do. I lift the bat of context because, right, I'm trying so hard to get to my heart. And as soon as I see the rest of the context, I'll be like, well, in the Hebrew, it looks like it's talking about this. It's like, shh, trying to hear from God right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So right now I'm working through the minor prophets. I'm in Joel 2. And the way that um, I do my memorization is, again, writing based. Um, So the first day I write it out in English in my regular translation. The second day... Um, I'll write it out in Hebrew and do my own translation. The third day, I'm trying to brush up and get more vocabulary in me and a better understanding of Greek. So I write it out in Greek. And then on fourth day, I do um, 
and that's the Septuagint, by the way, because obviously Joel isn't written in Greek. Um, and then on the fourth day, I test myself. It's a if it's a longer passage, I might throw in um, uh, Spanish or French on a different day as well. Um, and it's about like I want the heart of it in me, and so I'll hear it phrased in all these different ways. And one of the ways that it's said, and when the different languages will really um, help cement it in my head more than like monotonously saying the same thing for for six days um also if english isn't your first language write it out in your own language you know that's beautiful you don't have to do whatever english translation so um that's my practice right now for those and i find that it's helpful um just to pull commands and promises because um the part for me that's hard about memorization like i only have so much ram in my brain and it's tough for me to spend, you know, a week or so memorizing the like parts of Jeremiah that's like, and then King Uzziah came to me and said, blah, 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 blah. And the other priests were like, blah, 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 blah. Like, I know people do that. That's awesome. But like, again, I'm trying to hear from God and I'm sure God would talk to me with that if, you know, I believed better. But it's a lot easily, much easier for me to hear that encouragement, to hear that exhortation um, if I'm doing that. Oh, the other thing, if you really want to get your butt kicked, um, either in responsive praying slash reading or in memorization, head straight over to the Proverbs. Like, it only takes one for you to be like, what have I been doing with my life? I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I'll just reiterate what you said earlier. Like, you you understand what your tendencies are. You understand right. what your strengths and weaknesses are. You're trying to get out of your own way to have a better relationship with God. So right. like skipping over, you know, those contextual chunks is going to be the wrong thing to do for a lot of people. Right. But for you, it's the right thing to do. Right. Exactly. So know yourself um, and have the work is done. Uh, the next thing I do, and this is all in the same journal, by the way. So it's like date. And then I start working through these things. Um, and sometimes I pre write out the template on the page. I'll like flip through, which is always a fun day for me because I love those kinds of tasks. Um, but line them all up so that I'm ready to go. Because if it's like 5.30 a.m., my kids are already awake for some annoying reason, right? And I'm trying to shove my disciplines in somewhere. Um, my kids woke up at 4.50 a.m. today, by the way. Um, fun Br times. Brutal. Brutal. Um, I don't want to be like trying to find my Google Doc where I have my lists of like memorization things. I want it all to be right there, ready, waiting for me in a journal that I enjoy with the pen I enjoy. Pen club, never pencil. Okay. Especially not mechanical pencils. Wow. Shots fired. Yeah. If that's the most controversial thing I say today, that's fine. <laughs> Uh, okay. The last thing I do in that journal is I do identity statements. So this is, um, to counteract years of being raised in a tradition that, um, encourages you to pray a bunch of crap about yourself. Right. Um, so I'll do these for myself, my spouse, and I pray it for my kids. So if you could read that Ephesians, um, verse for me, Brent. Ephesians 2 in an unknown translation, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay. So this one, I feel like is pretty broadly applicable, right? So I would write down, um, 
the four sentences, right? Not just like me and my spouse and my kids all in one. I would write for Ellen, that's my full name, is God's handiwork. For my spouse is God's handiwork. This kid is God's handiwork. The other kid, God's handiwork. The other kid. The other kid. <laughs> yeah, that's their names. Um, <laughs> uh, and that would be the one day. The next day I would say, Ellen is created in Christ Jesus to do good works. My spouse is created in Christ Jesus to do good works, etc. Third day, God prepared good works in advance for Ellen to do. God created good works in advance for my spouse to do. Um, so what that does for me is first, it helps feed me with messages about myself and my life, right? Because we have lots of constant negative intrusive commentaries running all the time. Sometimes they're from culture, some from society and some of us more prone to anxiety or depression might have just them coming from ourselves, right? Beating ourselves up, being judgmental about our stuff, ourselves all the time. And if you're not in a charismatic tradition where you believe that God just speaks to you um, and says nice things, then it can be hard to replace or combat those narratives that you hear from yourself or others, unless you're actually putting the work in, planting seeds to believe these other things about yourself. So that's the first thing. It's an antidote. But what I also love about this practice is it reorients me to the significance of my spouse. Um, because it's pretty easy to think instead of my spouse is created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to think my spouse is created in Christ Jesus to serve me. Right? Mm. We don't actually like realize we're thinking that, but like I'm the protagonist of my life. They're over there, you know, doing their own thing. And it's kind of annoying when they're not like reading my mind and doing the things I want them to do. <laughs> um, I hope that's not everyone, but uh, I know that's an easy trap for us to fall into. I'm guessing, you know, that I'm not the only one there. Um, hopefully I'd be really awkward otherwise. But um, so reminding myself continually, my spouse is also invested with the dignity of God. My spouse is also tasked with bringing kingdom, not just making my life more comfortable um, or like taking care of the kids when I need them to, et cetera. Um, and then finally, like what better prayers to pray over my kids, right? Rather than filling up prayers with anxieties or worries about let them not do this or protect them from this, or I don't know what I'm doing, help me. You know, wherever on the range or spectrum, we can end up praying, um, writing this over them, like right about them prayerfully, I think is a, can be a powerful thing to do. I hope we'll find out in 10 years, right? Because they're, they're youths. Mm, yes. <laughs> so much potential though so much <laughs> love them so much um okay another thing that i love to do is intentional worship time um not where it's playing in the background but throughout the week i love worship music i don't care how hokey and how many complaints there are about bad theology if that's what's distracting you find better worship music it's out there there's like really good music for deconstructors like just search Go on Spotify. It's their playlists. They're awesome. So find stuff that speaks to you and then listen to it and make time where you're not doing anything else. So a discipline for me whenever I'm driving by myself is I try to discipline myself to only listen to worship music um, or other people's sermons while I'm driving because it's so hard to be totally present with worship when there's stuff happening at the house or workplace or whatever. But it's like, this is the time. And lots of times it's tempting to catch up on like, finish out my audiobook or whatever else I'm doing. That's, um, that's something I try to really stick to. 
priest's son, by the way, one of the preachers that I listen to, he is convinced uh, is not just sounds like, but is Doc Hudson from um, the Cars <laughs> franchise. So whenever I drive with my son in the car, he's like, mommy, we have to listen to Doc Hudson. Um, so I'm constantly listening to that particular preacher because because of that, which not really that about like, boy, who knew Doc Hudson knew so much about racing and also Jesus. <laughs> Great guy. Just I'm looking at your other passages here and I'm just thinking not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the piston cup approaching. (laughs) That's right. Run the race to which you are called the piston cup. Yes. (laughs) That's great. I love it. The cars like extreme toddler edition, like extreme teen edition Bibles, you know, extreme toddler edition. I love it. Oh, boy. So did you listen to worship music on the way to my house I for this did. recording? Oh, I sure good. did. Very good. Was that because I knew that there was a potentiality that it would come up? <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It's because I was listening to a sermon and I didn't like it very much. <laughs> you know, and so I switched. Sometimes our motivations are pure and sometimes they are not. But in the end, you get some worship music in you. So That's it's all right. good. That's right. The sermon was just okay. So... It was good. <laughs> okay. Um, almost done here. Uh, important. Important. We talk about it on Bema all the time. Um, it's the practice of Shabbat. And probably my favorite um, passage that George and I talk about, that's my spouse in our house, is this passage from Isaiah 58. Would you mind reading it for me? Not the whole thing. The section in a mystery translation. <laughs> If you hold your foot back from the Sabbath, from doing your affairs on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a pleasure, the holy day of Yahweh honorable, if you honor him more than doing your ways, then finding your affairs and speaking a word, then you shall take your pleasure in Yahweh, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth, and I will feed you the heritage of your ancestors. I think that's important for my family because it's naming the stuff that we think is more important than Shabbat. You know, it's not just like, do it because it's good. Yay. It's like, if you're not, it's because you're honoring doing your own thing and finding, like, finishing out your own affairs um, and just the other stuff that we accidentally end up saying is more important. Um, And it takes that kind of, you know, baseball bat approach to shape things and shake them down in our house. Um, And so that's helpful. But then also on the positive side of things, um, then we find our delight in God, right? Then uh, you'll ride upon the heights of the earth. Then you get to experience the heritage of your spiritual ancestors, right? So I take that seriously. We George takes that seriously. So he turns off his phone. I don't. So he's holier than me. Um, But, you know, Neither of us check our email. We're trying to be really intentionally present with our kids. You know, still, I still try to have my phone in a different room. Um, we don't do grocery runs. We don't do errands. Um, we just try to chill. We do get out of the house. Um, I could go on walks and stuff still, but if it involves like getting in the car for us as young parents, that's work. (laughs) So we don't drive them anywhere. Um, I still let myself like work out and do other things that are enjoyable and helpful for self-care that I know other people don't do. Um, I still let myself be creative, just not 
in either of the podcasts or any of the other creative things I'm doing all the time. Um, we try to do the majority of our cleaning beforehand, but we do let ourselves like throw away a yogurt cup if we just had that for lunch. We're mm. not that hardcore. That would bother us that a yogurt cup is just sitting there um, and that would take away from our rest. And so um, that's the happy medium that we've found for the moment. But I love hearing what other people do and adding stuff to our routine there as well. Um, my son knows it as ice cream movie day. Because <laughs> that's his one day that he gets to watch a movie and have ice cream. We're like, sure. If that's It's like, is it Shabbat ice cream movie? You know, that's okay. <laughs> we'll talk about creation story a little bit more in the future. Yeah, my boys, their big thing is they don't have to clean up the toys Ooh, on Shabbat. Nice. I like that. I have to steal that one. That's that's the joy, all the happy stealing. All right. This last one here might push some buttons. For other people, it might be like, um, duh, obviously, what are you talking about? Um, but for other people, it's my last, it's my last baseball bat. Okay. Uh shockingly, I encourage folks to go to church. Uh, so some of us have experienced trauma. Some of us have experienced spiritual abuse, church abuse. That is all very real. It is okay to take some time. Yes, please do take that time. But also um, care for yourself by utilizing that time intentionally, right? Don't just be like, well, I'm not going to church right now because blah, blah, blah has happened. Um, take the time to work through your stuff. You know, go to therapy, find community, find a trusted person, um, do your prayer, do your journaling, do whatever you need to do to invite God into that healing space um for you because you don't want to like have a wound in your side that's just like gushing everywhere while you try to continue life you also don't want to not do any of that work and have it like heal all janky and be tender for the rest of your life right you actually want to invest in yourself for your own well-being and happiness so that you can be um a thriving individual in your community, in your family, right? Able to lead, able to do all the things that you need to do. Um, and so taking that time is a good investment. However, I invite people to set a limit for that time. Um, because what happens to so many of us is we end up letting that pain or that one person or that one era, that one set of experiences, those couple years to define the whole rest of our lives, <laughs> Right. If we say, oh, I don't really go to church anymore because this happened to me, that event then is ruling and shaping and keeping you from something that is potentially incredibly life giving for the rest of our lives. Right. And we need to like acknowledge that. Uh, I think that like, hey, if I'm choosing not to go to church right now um, for all these reasons, there's a reason for that. Right. And I want to think about it and take it seriously. But also if we don't put a hedge around that time, um, we end up being like desert people who flop around in the desert for our 40 years. Right. And, and be like, this is my identity. Like I just don't have a home. That is never God's plan. Like God's whole thing was he was moving them from a place of oppression in Egypt, right, to the promised land. And yes, they took time in the desert. And yes, it was lengthy for uh, God's people to get 400 years of oppression out of their system. I don't think any of us have experienced, you know, even spiritual abuse for 400 years. Um, so it probably won't take you 40 years away from church. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
But we end up like being like, oh, we're desert people. We don't really have a tribe. And it all becomes individualistic and it becomes this posture of suffering and orphanedness, right? And that affects our relationship with God. It impacts our relationship with other people, right? When we take on that identity of like, I'm so unique. There's just like no spiritual home for me. That is not God's plan. He says, go to the land that I am going to give you, for it is wide. He says, there is room for everyone's flourishing in this new land. That's the whole point of it. That's the defining feature. Yes, it flows with milk and honey. It has supernatural abundance for you. But the first thing that he says about it is that it's rechav. There is room. And so I totally get it. Some of us are in rural, rural, oh boy, least favorite word rural areas <laughs> and there's not awesome options that match our um, values. I get that. That can be really hard, especially if your identity is on the line and somewhere you don't feel safe. Please don't go back to the place where you um, experienced spiritual abuse. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying go back to those people and trust that group again and line yourself up like a sheep again. That is not the goal. There are lots of different denominations that do have a huge variety of wonderful values. And some of us from the evangelical non-denominational world don't know that. We're just like, well, I know there's two evangelical churches in town, and they're both basically the same for who knows why. They're two different congregations, but they are. And so I guess that's it. No, there's like, do your research. Read about all these different um, denominations that you have in your area. Um, try not to be consumeristic about the preaching or the music or whatever, right? <laughs> be like, I would lead my family and coming back to a church community, but like their style of worship wasn't my thing. That's kind of tragic for your family and your kids. If it's like they had a flute and I don't like flutes, right? Letting that be the one thing. Again, let's be reasonable and thoughtful and intentional about the kind of impacts our choices make. Um, and then even if sometimes you do know it's there, um, but we end up letting things like, well, yeah, that's a pretty good spot. I don't really know anyone yet. And it's like, it's a half hour commute <laughs> or it's hard to get my kids out of the door. People are meeting globally under the threat of oppression, prison and death in order to be together and worship the Lord. I think we can check our privilege at the door for it's hard to get my kids out of the house, right? Uh, so that's my that's my take on it. Uh, and I have some Bible to to uh, you know shore up the fact that I believe corporate worship is a biblical, important, essential part of the Christian experience. And because of the proliferation of wonderful, amazing technology that enables folks like um, our listeners to find each other and make thriving communities, that's beautiful. But also, it's not the same as corporate worship. So could you read those for me, Brent? Yes. Colossians 3. Let the piston... Oh, sorry. Uh <laughs> Let let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Colossians 3. Uh, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 1 Corinthians 14. What then, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Excellent. So, like, I believe that there are further evolutions of what church will look like and 
upcoming eras. I think it's perfectly excellent for churches to evolve and change and maybe look a little bit different and not the exact traditional thing that we've um, done for a long time. But we have verses that tell us what church is supposed to be like, right? What corporate worship is supposed to be like, what our gatherings are supposed to be like. Um, And they involve these things. Um, And sometimes it's just more comfortable for us not to do that. Um, And so I just want to be another voice being like, hey, there are probably some congregations near you that have shared values. It might not be perfect in every possible way, and it might not be super comfortable But I think we are designed to have community. Yes, it can work digitally, but also to have local community, the people who are going to show up at the hospital if you're in a car crash, right? (laughs) These relationships, um, faith-based relationships, right? Ones that we can share our relationship with God, um, with other people and fellowship together. I think that's integral to the experience of being in the family of God. Um, and I want to be a voice calling us back to it. Ah, it's beautiful. That's nice. I'm glad. What a relief. Well, yeah, uh, I, I am the only one who has heard all four of these episodes so far and everyone is just has their own way of doing it with their own needs, their own struggles, their own. Yeah. It, it's just, I love it. It's a great picture of, of what humanity is. We're all different. We all have um, different things that are going to work for us, but we're all striving to know the same God. And so, yeah, totally. And we have coming up episodes on more specifics about different practices. So I like stayed away from talking too much about prayer and fasting and stuff like that, because Mm. we're going to get into it more. Yes. Yes. I was thinking earlier when you mentioned like, Oh, I'm really into fasting right now, but then I'm pregnant. And so I can't do that. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if I've Definitely never been pregnant. I don't think I've ever been into fasting. Oh, man. <laughs> well, welcome. Yes, um, well. Welcome to the train. I'll look forward to baptizing you into fasting. <laughs> Forcibly. Well, it's not that I haven't fasted. It's not that I haven't fasted. I've just never been really into fasting. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we will see. Uh, we'll let that episode show up when it does. I'm excited. Yes, just a few weeks away. Okay, well, you can go to baymonestablishment.com to find uh, show notes. I'm not quite sure if we'll have many show notes for this, but there's a couple of things that I might try to grab a link from L. Doc Hudson. Um, yeah, well, hopefully everybody has, I mean, hopefully, I don't know, whatever. I'm guessing most people have already seen that movie, but whatever. No, uh, Cars 3 is important for the Cars. zeitgeist of our time. Uh, if you say so. Cars 2, not so much. Yeah, well, all of that will be in the show notes. Um you can find groups and events, um, all that stuff at bearmontdeception.com. Use the contact page for the most up-to-date way to get in touch with us. And thanks for joining us on the Baymont Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.